Good evening, everyone, and welcome to TMA Sunday Night Live. As always, I'm the Pidge, and I'm joined by Dino, the young man. Um, on to <laughs> this way, hang on, the camera's wrong. Um, got that way, and also the legend that is Moo Dino, Mrs. Non League himself. So, um, evening, fellas, I'm and back. also. Uh, the legend this never stops here at this place. Um, obviously, like we say, TMA, where the legends come to play. And we're absolutely honoured to have the uh, youngest ever goal scorer still going. Um, 169 games for the Hornets. 33 goals. Um, shoot me down in flames, Gifton, if you will. Uh, also, England under-18 uh, under international. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the legend that is Gifton Noel Williams. So, um, evening, Gifton, once again. And let's say... Thank you. I've said already, but thank you ever so much for coming on, mate. No, no, thank you, guys. It's great to be here tonight. I love to talk about Watford and talk about football, so I'm, I'm in a great place on a Sunday <laughs> evening. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Thank you very much. Right, guys and girls, um, get your opinions through about, obviously, what happened yesterday when transpired yesterday, a 1-0 win at home and preseason friendly against Scunthorpe. Uh, anything you want to put through to um, Gifton will get over, uh, be hopefully be happily um, be able to answer any questions you've got as well. And any of your topics and conversations. And also the uh, news that hopefully, fingers crossed, Fessy could be coming back. So the Athletic have reported it. Um, so we'll get your opinions on about that. But um, right. So f first up, um, boys, do you want to shout anything out first? Or um, so, so we just get on or I'll, I'll actually I'll just say Gifton. Um Firstly, like you said, just before we went live, the um, the record's still going. What what memories have you got about that um, famous night when you scored? Ah, uh, you know, um, just uh, just that, that whole time. If I be honest with you, like, the whole time was a blur, but it it all happened. If you understand what I mean, is this the whole couple of months before it all happened? Um, I had my first child. A lot of people don't know this, but I had my first child to be in September. So I was only 16 wow. when I had my first child. So I just come out of school, I've had a little girl. And then a, a few weeks, a couple of weeks later, I'm in the first team playing. And then to get that goal against Blackpool, you know, I remember the ball just dropping out to me. And I remember just hitting it from outside the box. And and I'm sure it flew in. I don't know where it flew in, but it flew in. I don't think I looked at it. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I can remember the video. I remember seeing the videos after. And all my life, I've always had a little celebration. I know what to do. I've always been kind of, kind of relaxed and composed after I scored a goal. But I remember this goal went in. I didn't know what to do. I think I just ran with my arms in the air. Didn't just start to be really silly. Like, I don't know what I've done. But it was just one of those experiences where um, within, I started pre-season as a YTS, as a youth team player, about to have a child. My father's about to get released by Watford when they find out that I was going to have a kid. And then within a month or two months later, I'm in the first team scoring my first goal. You know, it's... You know, at my age now, 40 years old, you look back now and, you know, it's funny, I haven't really spoke thought about it that much, but it's a bit of a blur, yeah. <laughs> but, but a happy blur. Yeah, yeah. Did you feel like, um, I know these boys will want to jump in very uh, very shortly and give their questions as well, but do you feel like in yourself, I mean, you're like, you've just broke into the first team, obviously scored your goal, um, and also, like I say, with the induction of the child at 16 years old as well, do you feel like you... Um, in yourself, do you feel like you had to grow up very, very quickly at a very young age? Yeah, you know, but I think my whole life was a whole battle. I don't want to go too much into my whole life and the, the, my upbringing, but my dad died when I was 13. So at 13, I almost had to become the man around the house. I was at, I used to wake up in the morning and do a cleaning job with my mum and then go training. And then, so again, to go to, go to school. 
Then I had another cleaning job with my mum in the afternoon. I'll do that with her. Then I'll go to training after. So from quite a young age, I was one the wage package I, I kept for myself and the other one my mum took for the house. So, and it wasn't no, 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 no sad, a sad story. My mum done anything bad. It was I had to do what I had to do so that we could survive at that time. So it was going from that and growing up, going through that and having to go through those things and be responsible for my family. And I looked after my little brother. When I speak to Kenny Jacket now or Jimmy Gilligan, the old coaches, they always ask, how was Nathaniel? How's your little brother? Because he was always with me. I think he's only three or four years old, but it'll be it'll be ludicrous to see someone, a 16-year-old kid now, 15-year-old kid, walking around with a three, four-year-old kid going to Watford. You know, family used to come with me to training, sit on the side, watch me train. We'd go back on, on, the, on the train because other than that, my mum would have to get a child minor to look after him. So it was a lot of things that happened before that, before me actually being a dad and stuff like that, that kind of, I think, prepared me for what happened. You know, it made me resilient. It made yeah. me understand about... Um, certain aspects of life and I've been through some hard things in life already so when I got into the first team and I kind of just went with it if I'll be honest with you I can't really say that there was times where I thought oh I shouldn't be here or what am I doing I just kind of went with it and I think because Kenny was there and Kenny's like my football daddy you know up to now I love and respect that man to the highest you know and I think because Kenny was there and he was around and there was a few young boys around that played in my youth team, in the youth team with me or things like that, that I was around, then I kind of just felt used to it. And what people, a lot of people don't know is that when I was 14, I hated school. And also, I'm, I'm not going to a little bit more, but um, I hated school at 14. So um, what Watford said to me, and, and there was times when I would tell my mum, I don't want to go to school. So behind my back, I know this now as an adult, and my mum spoke to Kenny Jacket, and they had a big discussion about it. And he said, all right, cool. What we do is he can come and train once a week. So my school and Watford had a deal where if I was good in school and went for the other days, on a Thursday, I could leave, I could not go to school and go and train with the first team. So I was 14 <laughs> years old, training with Keith Millen, Hesse, Gary Porter, um, Tommy Mooney, all those guys. I, I was um, Fozzie, um, Foster, um, um, uh, the, the, the list goes on of all the old guys that you, you will know, Ramage. So when yeah. I got in the first team, I knew all those guys. You know, they've already locked me in the cupboard. They've already um, played the games with me. They've already cut my clothes up. They've already done all the things that... Because <laughs> I was around them, they've done it already. Yeah. So when in the first team, I think I really had a bit of respect from them because they just saw this young kid from 14 growing up and they saw me develop. So when I got in the first team, I just kind of took it took it in the stride, really. I had good people around me to show me. Devin White at the time was really great. Kevin Phillips was great. Um, Connolly was great at the time because they're all strikers, but I learned different things from all three of them. So it was just a great time. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Moves? Dina? Uh, yeah, no, I've got a question. Um, Gifton, what was, who was it that like, said to you that um, you were going to be in the squad for that for, for that first game? How, like, how did it all come about? Was it just like, down all at the training ground or...? Yeah, well, so that, that was actually a crazy one. So we're playing something in the way. Um, and I'm never meant to be in the squad. So I'm never meant to be in the squad at all. I think Kevin Phillips or someone got injured. So Kenny said to me, oh, I'm going to take you along for the journey. It'll be a good experience for you. I think I was like the 19th man. And you had five subs, five, three subs. No, I wasn't the 19th man. I was like the 16th man or the same. Then there's only three yeah. subs there, isn't it? Yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah. Then there's three subs. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, yeah, so I think I was like the 16th man or something like that. So Kenny just said to me, I'm going to take you along for the experience. Um, enjoy it. So I went along. And I, I think two people got sick. They got food poisoning or something like that happened in the hotel that night. Yeah. But I didn't really know about it. So it happened. It happened. And then Kenny said to me, woke up for the, we woke up. Kenny said, oh, well, um, got to the ground. And then Kenny said, oh, you're going to be on the bench. So there wasn't really a lot of time to think about the fact I'm going to be on the bench, right? Now, around about this time, there was Wayne Andrews that was on the bench. And I think maybe Clint Easton yeah. was on the bench. And somebody else. But I played last, the year before, when I was under 16, I was playing in the youth team for the whole season. So because I played in the youth team for the whole season, I played with Clint, I played with Wayne, and that was, they were my boys. So for me, it was just a bit of a, I was on the bench, I got chased. We went out to warm up. I was laughing and joking with them guys. It was just, uh, I was just chilling out. I had no idea that I would be playing because obviously I'm the last man to be put in. So I just thought Kenny just giving me an experience because I have to be on there. Then the game was going on. I just remember hearing Kenny and Lufa talking. And I could hear them talking over there and they're saying, I can hear them saying, we're going to make us up. Like, I don't think we're going to win this game. I think the game's gone. We should be put on. And I heard Lufa or Lufa said it, or Kenny said, one of them said, put Gifton on. And I had a little conversation. Yeah, put, put Gifton on. And I'm sitting there thinking, they're going to put me on. <laughs> right? I don't remember who it was, but one of them told me to warm up. So I went and warmed up. And yeah. at the my adrenaline is at a high, you know. Mm. Obviously, I'm watching the game, so I'm pumped up anyway. But I'm about to make my debut at Sunderland at Roker Park away. Like, Wow. wow. Wow, Roker Park, you know, the oh, great. Right. I've heard so many things about Roker Park. I yeah. played there on the 14 for my Islington team and I scored there. So it was like, for me, now it's, but it was the, the stadium was empty then. But now to see the stadium full up and it was the yeah. roar, the Roker roar and all these things people were talking about, you know. So it was my, it was like crazy. And then Kenny put me on and I went on and I think I almost scored. I think I went past one player and then I almost got on and then Tony Colton came in and made a great save and he blocked me from scoring. And, you know, after that, I thought, oh, this is kind of easy. So <laughs> 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 you know, after that, genuinely, I had no nerves or nothing. I just played, I don't know, 20 minutes, 15 minutes where he was. And then after that, you guys know the rest of the story. It was just a, a yeah. build-up to, to, to being a, a first-team regular. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Dino, Dino, you got anything? Uh, Gifton, where do you think it's going wrong at Watford? Because we don't really get any young up-and-coming players coming through now, you know. Like yourself, we don't see any, any anymore. Where do you think it's going wrong there? I want to pause before I, before, I, before I answer this question because it could be a very controversial... It's a very controversial question, <laughs> right? But, but <laughs> we're, 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 we're being real. You're asking me a question, so I'll just tell you my honest opinion. I think yeah, of course. it's a combination of two things. I think, number one... I think the, the, the way that the puzzles are running the club is buy, buying players for cheap and sell them for a bit more money. All right? course, so yeah. I, think, I think that is number one. I think number two, I think number one, sticking with number one, managers don't have a long time at Watford at the moment. So if you're a manager, you're more concerned about your results more than bringing through the next, the next star or two. In my opinion, you know, if you're thinking I've only got six months to 18 months of a, of a life, I'm going to go and win games with the pros I've got. I'm not going to upset one of the big stars to bring in a 16, 17 year old and then he fails a couple of times and 
something goes wrong. My second reason behind it, I, my personal opinion, I don't think that the academy is developing the players that are good enough to play in the first team. Um, I believe that if you look at the children, the youngsters when they're six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, they're just as good as Man City, um, Arsenal. But something between that and them be getting pro contracts or or whatever is 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 this not 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 hitting? So is it is it the, the heads of the academy that that are not doing their jobs right? Is it the, mm. uh, the structure within that's not right? Is it is it that the players are not getting the right development stru- structure? And um, holistic approach that that could develop them the right way. Um, I, I don't know. Other clubs are doing it, so I don't see why Watford can't do it. You know, look at all the big clubs now; they've got so many players that are in the squads. So um, I, I, I think you have to look a little, little bit deeper. Um, I'm not going to mention no names of all that kind of stuff, but yeah. look a bit deeper. And I think that you know, um, I think there's a lot of us. Um, just talk about myself in this effect. I think there's a lot of us that are out here that love Watford, that would die for Watford, that are ex-pro yeah. that played for Watford. Um, like for myself, I would love to coach at Watford. If I could get an under eighteen job at Watford or under 23's job, but I've, ne- I've tried to go for them and I've never never got them. Um, there are yeah. other players out there that have got their licences that are qualified. Um, black, white, I'm not trying to make it a colour thing, black, white or whatever. I spoke to many guys I played with, Alan Stamai, the same problem. I went for jobs but didn't get them. Now, my, part of my thing is if you're trying to develop young pros, then surely it must yeah. be part of your balance must be that there's pros in the building that know the club, love the club, you know, know what the fans want, know what, what, what is desired of the club and that can help develop these players. But I don't see a lot of those. If you look at the staff now, is at Watford um, in the academy, you don't see many um, ex-pros that are actually paid for Watford and and gone through the Watford structure or gone through, live, gone through a bit of dirt with Watford, you know, relegation, yeah. promotion and, and, and stuff like that. So I think it's a combination of things. I'm not point, pointing it strictly on the academy because obviously you need a structure above that's going to allow these kids to come through. So maybe there has yeah, been kids who haven't had the, had the platform to, to have to make their breakthrough the first team. But that's my, that's my, if you're asking me questions and you want me to ask me real <laughs> and, and I ask honestly then. That's my honest. That's my honest um, answer. Yeah, of course. That that's what that's what we always say as well, and that, that's what our form is about as well. I don't want to beat the drum too much about our form, but that you know, opinions and opinion. As long as it's your honest opinion, that's what we want, and uh, I do appreciate that as well because a lot of those things that you said are pretty much what a lot of, a lot of art we are saying. So you're really speaking as a fan. Um, to be fair, so you could completely talk to it, but uh, yeah, a lot of people throwing that up as well about the youth team as well, and saying, Look, you know, is it not saying the coaches aren't good enough, but we're saying, Are the coaches not good enough? Have we got the right structure at first? And like you say, the managers back obviously when GT was there did have the time, did have a bit more time to sort of develop the players. Hence, why we had yourself, we had the Baisleys, the Porters, the Gibbses. Um, even the Holdsworth twins, you know, you had that filter, you had that conveyor belt from, like say, but when you had that experience with the youth team, then you had that transition over to first team for those trips that Kenny very um, kindly brought you into as well, to so sort of get you used to that environment. And also you played with the players, um, like your Holdsworths and your Millens and players like that. So um, it was a good grounding. But do you think, do you think being in the championship, we might see a one or two possibly making their sneaking their way even into a squad 
you know, like say if the if we were in the Premier League, obviously, you know, it would have been much harder. I'm hoping so. You know, I'm hoping so. I really hope so. I think that the Championship is a great platform for youngsters to come through. You know, it's, it's a good level. Um, they can learn from the players that are in the team because they should be quality players. But also, you can, if you've got a left winger who's really good or you've got a right winger who's really good or a striker or a, a number 10, or even a, a, holding, a midfielder that's, that you think is really good, you could maybe put someone in, in there with someone who's experienced and and someone who knows what they're doing and give them a little licence to go and run around a little bit because you know you're actually better than the team you're playing against. You know, when yeah. in, at the moment when Watford was in the Premiership last year, most of the games you're, you're scrapping. You're scrapping for every point. You know, if you if you you're, you're you're just scrapping for every point, if realistically, you know, so you're just trying to hold on to it. So there's some teams you can go in the, some games you can go into the game thinking we're going to beat a team, but most teams you most teams when Watford are playing a Premiership team is you know it's going to be a battle just to get a point or three. So I think when you go in the Championship and you're playing against some of the the lesser so-called teams um, and stuff like that, I think if you've got a manager that that's as, as, as you've got players from the 23s, from the 18s that have trained with the first team over pre-season and have shown something, some form of ability and have impressed the manager, you might find a manager may throw one or two in um, during the season. I'm hoping for that because it's, I think the, the championship is a, is a good league to, to bed the young players into and give them that little chance to learn. That's right. Um, Babes? Uh, yeah. uh, I've got this, uh, there's a few comments coming in. Um, yeah, yeah, get them in, mate. I was going to say, there's a message from uh, Angela saying uh, he used to train her son, uh, Kian, how's it? I'll go find the name, um, Kian. Um, and he said, she says, after you finished, tra um, finished training with him, he went off football, but he said you were the best uh, football teacher he ever had. Oh, um, that's nice to know. <laughs> it's a shame. Uh, football, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad to know that I made an impact in his life. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, right, um, Ryan's asked her, uh, how do you think we'll get on this season in the championship? I think we'll do well. I think we'll do well. I think I think we'll lose some players um, in the transfer window, which is which is normal. Um, I think that we'll bring in, we'll be smart and bring in some good players. A couple of signings so far, or people we're looking to bring in, I think could could be could be one good good signings if they hit the ground running. Um, I think we'll be there or thereabouts, hundred percent. I I don't see us as a a championship club now. I think we are a, we are a yo-yo club. Um, I thought that if we would have stayed up this year, I think that would have maybe cemented us a little bit more as a as a as a Premiership Premiership club. But um, as 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 we've seen, we've, we are more of a yo-yo club. We come up, we have a few great years in, in the Premiership, then we go back down again. I personally yeah. think, personally, this is a good year for Watford fans because if you look at the the Premiership, a lot of games you go into very nervous. Um, we're, we're always fighting that middle table to lower table of the battle and I think it'll be really good for hopefully this year the Watford fans to be able to leave many games singing happy because we're getting the, the W we're getting those three points on a regular basis and it, it'll end up yeah. being a celebration by the end of the season yeah, yeah good no 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 I'll be pretty spot on mate Dino uh, best player you played with Gifton be a tough one for you Wow, the best player I played with. <laughs> That's a hard one. That's a really, really hard I, I, It's a hard one, but it's an easy one. Um, I have to say Michael Owen. Um, we played for England together. I have to say that because wow. at that time, I played with Tommy Smith um, for all of my life as a kid. And Tommy Smith and Michael Owen have a lot of stuff. They're quite similar 
in the way they used to play when they were young. Tommy was really fast and and Tommy, but no disrespect to Tommy, but Michael Owen was on a different level. If you understand, <laughs> yeah, Tommy. No, yeah, no disrespect to Tommy, he's my boy, and I love Tommy Smith. Yeah. He was a great, a really good player, but Michael Owen was on a different level. So when I went to play for England and and just little things, just little conversation would have about. I've got the ball in certain position. You say, "Gif, if you get the ball here, flick it there." Or if you get the ball here, little, little stuff like that, and you yeah. do it. And in training, we just built a great relationship within, you know, a few days of, of England camp. And and he was one of the best players that I say, especially when I played with him up front together, and we bonded together. And that that for me was a, a good, really good relationship. Cool. Right, I'm, I'm going to say anyway, Kevin, you're an absolute star. He says, um, the best player has got to be Ramage, but they know what I'm like with uh, <laughs> Ramage. <laughs> so, uh, Kevin, Kevin, you're a legend. So um, I did mention him, Kevin did. So um, they always sort of like put a sweepstake on here to see uh, when I'm going to mention Ramage. But um, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I blame, yeah, but it, it, happened, it happened longer than I thought it would do anyway. Um, <laughs> What Watford Woody's put on, he says, I think Gifton is spot on, and the manager d- d- doesn't have time with young players like the old like the old managers did, like we basically touched on with uh, GT. And uh, I think pretty much everyone's spot on with that. You know, um, they agree with you that uh, they're under so much pressure nowadays to uh, win at the short space of time that they're here. So they haven't really got, even if they want to, they haven't actually got that chance to blood another Gifton Noel Williams or player like that. Yeah, you know, um, it's a catch-22 because I've, I remember growing up, and I'm, I'm going back to the 90s now, so people might say, oh, whatever, mate, it's, it's old-fashioned. But I think this is this happens up to now. You normally look, the last 10 games of a season, normally you see a couple of youngsters on the bench. You put, bring them on a couple of games, and they might not play the, play much, but the last that last 10, 10 games of the season, they'll play a bit. And then the next season, you'll see a little bit more of them. And there'll be a process, you know, and I think that sometimes a project from the club. I think that as as the club is at the moment, I think it'd be really nice if the puzzles or if the if the owners gave gave the manager um, some kind of KPIs, you know, or some kind of remit. We want to embed one or two youngsters every season, so we understand this or that. But between that last ten games, we want to see you picking out the best two youngsters we have, and we want to embed them. Whether you bring them on for half an hour whether it's a 45 minutes, whether they start a match at the end. Because realistically, most most seasons, the last 10 games of the season, I know this year was a bit different, but you could yeah. normally throw someone, there's a game you can pick one or two games in the last 10 games of the season where you're comfortable enough to throw someone on for half an hour. And I think that should that's something that should come from above. And I think if that comes from above and that is a remit that Watford have, then I think managers will be more happy to embed youngsters in because they know it's a remit from above. Where if you that's not your KPI for the season, then why would you think about a youngster? But well, I think so that maybe something that needs to be spoken about in the, in, the, in, the, in the higher realm of the club, maybe. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, sorry, mate. Just before we get uh, just for get, uh, get on to you, mate. Michael Thorpe said it's probably probably an easy question, but Ma- uh, Michael Thorpe said, "Who is your favourite manager?" Uh, favourite manager, favourite manager's got to be Kenny Jacket because he's my he's my football daddy. But best manager will be Graham Taylor. Yeah, okay. Graham Taylor. When it comes to, I would say Kenny's my best coach, and and Graham Taylor was my best manager. 
Right, okay. Uh, we've got one more. And um, obviously, as everyone knows, we're sponsored by Sweets for All. Uh, so visit um, Lord Seren, aka Morpheus, for his all your sweet desires, including sugar free sweets. But he's got Gifton. He's um, throwing the sweet question out for you. What's your favorite old fashioned sweets? My favorite old fashioned sweets. Oh, you bring me back to the pick a mix, pick a mix days. <laughs> Brilliant. Old school. And you're thinking about you're thinking about mushrooms, you're thinking about bananas, you're thinking about strawberries, the old school strawberries. <laughs> oh nice yeah. Um oh wow, you oh my mind's going crazy right now. Laces from back <laughs> um, oh mushrooms, the big mushrooms. Oh what I don't even know what I can say is the best. I tell you what, back in the days, all right. So we're talking about back in the days, yeah? All right. <laughs> yeah. Big mouses. That oh. were massive. Yeah. And all the sweet ones were really small. But the big masses <laughs> were 10 pence. Them big ones. <laughs> I, think, I think then that would have to be my most favorite one. I think back in the day, they'll say that's a bit boring. I could have some others later on. Later on, I'm going to be kicking myself thinking, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And what about this? I think I'm feeling my mouth today. The thing is, you go, well, I mean, me and Dino live on the same road and up our shops. It was literally mind the phrase it literally was like a kid in a sweet shop you go to the old-fashioned sweet shops and it was literally just wall-to-wall sweets i mean you never get that anymore but it, that was what it was like back then yes it was quality back then wasn't it bonbons bonbons custard cream that's how this new month we bother customers now we better stop move on next question i'm gonna come we have answered your question mate so you know what you're saying gifton um, for his um, sweet parcel, shall we say? Uh, Curtsy, <laughs> sweet scroll. Seren's throwing comments straight back here. We're going to think, think the whole show's just scrap now. It's going to be about sweets for the rest of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see that. Sugar mice are my favorite other thing and, and white mushrooms. Yep, yeah, I love them as well. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, he's got them, if, if he hasn't got them in stock, he'll have them first thing tomorrow morning. I guarantee it. If you're down, down the old sailor. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got one that's just popped up here. I know Moodle will jump in a minute. Um, someone's put, put one up as well. Uh, it's from um, Kevin. Yes, yeah, so Mr. Kevin, Mr. Ramage himself, Kevin. Yes, yeah, uh, he's put Gifton. You scored a header from outside the box at Preston. Is that a Watford record? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a good one. You know what? I can't remember the goal. You did score 33, so there was quite a few. Yeah. So. <laughs> I can't remember that one. A header from outside the box. Well, maybe it is a record. I don't think I scored many from headers from outside the box. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, man. Oh, Woody, stop it. Right, Woody's taking the sweet thing a bit too far now. He's saying about cola drops and lemon drops. Woody, stop. Gavin Marn himself. Cole James is on. Um, get onto his YouTube channel. Uh, Mr. Watford Boy 82. So get onto his um, channel as well. So he, he's on as well. Kevin Ammon's on. So um, guys, just keep the questions and the yeah. points coming in. Obviously, um, what you thought about what have transpired yesterday um, at home to Scunthorpe and anything else, obviously including the Fessy um, rumour that he's possibly be signing. 
and anything else. And we've got Moves News coming about quarter two as well. So the public demand it. It's going to be here at quarter two, <laughs> Moves News. So, um, yeah. Back to got... popular demand. Um, yeah, no, I was going to say, uh, I was going to say, there's one, there's one youngster at the moment I would certainly keep an eye on. And I, like we said, Githy, you were just talking about it. It's a centre mid called Dan Phillips. And I guarantee you, yeah. if he can get in the first team, he will nail a spot because he went on that. He was on loan at Hemeltown last season, uh, who played National League South. And I know your boy was at uh, Wildstone last season, I believe. Yeah. Um, and uh, he literally, for the games he was there, he was there for a good three or four months. And then he picked up a very nasty injury whilst playing for Emily. It was about 10 yards away from it. It was harrowing. And quite rightly, the geezer was red carded for it because. Yeah. Well, if he hadn't, there'd have been a full-scale punch-up on the pitch, including the management as well. But yeah, honestly, I think if Dan Phillips, I know he's back fit now. If he can, if he gets his head down, I think you could possibly see him popping up on the bench um, during the season because he's uh, he's a very young, talented midfielder, and a lot of the Hemel lads were really impressed with him, and they were desperate for him to come back when he got over his injury. But unfortunately. It, Kept him out for the whole season, and then we know what we we know what happened with COVID and everything. He put pay to everything. Yeah. So, um, no, but uh, give me, I've got, I've got I another question. Dan really, Philip one. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm I'm happy you said that, and it went, I also had a big smile on my face. Dan, right? We signed Dan from Chelsea. He got released from Chelsea, and mm. I was he came onto my team. I was coaching under 14s at the time, and he, right. came, he came on trial with us. And I've loved Dan from there. And we signed him. <clears throat> we signed him that time. I left Watford, but through my job with the PFA, I'm always I'm always around the club. I'm always at Watford. And uh, I always see the boys because I teach the scholars their level twos. So mm -hmm. I'll be teaching those guys this, their, their level twos this year. And me and Dan, he's a really good lad. When I mean, a good lad. I mean, hardworking, yeah. hardworking, serious guy, serious lad. As, like, as a laugh and a joke, you know, like friendly, like we're laughing and joking now. So he's got personality yeah. as well, but <clears throat> he's got he's got exactly what it takes to, to, to break it hundred percent. And you saying that is is like a breath of fresh air because that we need to, <laughs> we need to make it like a little um, what's it what's it what you do when you a little campaign or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this season, <laughs> sorry, yeah. I cut you before. Sorry, your question. Yeah, yeah no, I was going to say um. What was it like? Because after you left Watford, now you decided to go over and play in play in Spain. How how different was playing in Spain compared to playing in the English leagues? Yeah, um, you know, I, I was having this conversation earlier today, and the first thing I want to just do is just talk about this first of all. Is that we, whenever we had foreign players coming over to England over the years, we'd always laugh at them. You know, whether it's right or wrong, banter little laughs and jokes, tell them words, funny words to say, because their English isn't very good. <clears throat> and we'd always laugh at them and think like, you guys, you can't even talk English properly. Like, what? Like, come on, talk English. Like, what's wrong with you? And that's how I genuinely thought, genuinely. I was even in the airport going over to Spain. And um, I was on the airport, and there was a Spanish guy in front of me, and he's trying to talk in English, and the guy is struggling. And I was genuinely laughing at him, saying, look at this guy. He's struggling, he can't talk Spanish, he can't talk no English. And I went over to Spain, and that was me. I was that guy. I was the guy that knew nothing at all. I had, the only Spanish I knew was hola and adios. That's all I knew. 
And I, in my mind, genuinely, I was the typical English person thinking to myself, everyone talks English. So when I go over there, they'll all talk English. They all know. And I went over there and it was something remarkable. And it grew me up mentally. And it made me realise that anyone I talk to going forward in the rest of my life, I'll always respect their journey. If this is your second language, your third language, and it's not very good, I'll still respect your journey because it's your second or third language. And I really indulged myself into the, 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 the community, to the life of Spain, and I tried my hardest to learn the language. And when the, the public and the people saw I was trying to speak Spanish, they started to talk to me in English. And then we started to have a little banter with their broken English, my broken Spanish. And then I kind of just, I kind of blended in, you know, and I, I found it really good. The football, on the other hand, was something amazing. You know, it's something that in my coaching life now and me as a coach, so many things that I picked up and learned in Spain are bringing to my football life. And it's small little things that they were so, you know, people talk about Pep Guardiola and stuff like that now and the stuff he's bringing in. Where when I played in Spain, my manager was playing in the second division and they were saying exactly the same thing that Pep's talking about. Maybe not as good and maybe not as good players to do it, but they were talking exactly the same things. So I learned a whole different way of playing football, a whole different way of talking to your players. And it, it just opened my eyes, a different culture as well. And the way that they were accepting to me and they accepted me in their culture. And it made me more open to the world. And that for me was an experience in my life that both on the field and off the field um, will always stick with me and it will always be a major part in my life going forward. Brilliant, mate. Brilliant. Um, uh, just a shout out to Helen Ward. Um, Wardy's on, so uh, Captain Marvel. Um, Watford Women's Captain, shall we say? We don't say ladies, we women. Watford Women's Captain Helen Ward's on. So um, good evening, Helen. Thanks for coming on. Um, we've got uh, we've got a YouTube um, comment. We've got uh, first. I'll get Mark Weaver's one on first, and then we've got um, some uh, guy from YouTube Land as well has come on with a good decent question as well. Uh, Gifting, do you miss playing for Watford? Um, if I'll be honest with you, I don't miss playing football. Um, yeah, if I'll be honest with you. Because, um, and it's not because I don't love football, it's because of the arthritis. You know, as you guys know, yeah. arthritis when I was 19. So I played another Ooh. 11 years, just struggling, just struggling every day, just trying to get through it. Towards the end of it, I wasn't training. I was just wrapping myself up and playing. So my whole football experience it was, was great and I loved it. But towards the end especially, it was it was... I was in pain most of the time. So me yeah. me coaching for me is like the best thing in the world. Now what I would what I do miss, I miss I would love to coach at Watford. You know, I would yeah. love to be there among the, around, around the first team as the striker coach or amongst the 23s, just so that I'm getting my Watford buzz on a regular basis, you know. And that that is what I really miss because Watford's my club, you know. That I'm I'm gonna say it and you might hate me, but I'm an Arsenal supporter. Because that's oh. I grew up around the corner from Arsenal, and that's what that's what I grew up with all my life. But, yeah, sure. You know, I tell people all the time I support Arsenal, but Watford's my club. You know, it's a whole different. You know, Watford that's my club, and you know, whatever club I went to in my career, Watford is still my club. You know, if I go and watch a game, I go to Watford and watch Watford play. You know, because it's my club. The people I speak to on a regular basis are people that are around Watford. You know, and that that is the biggest thing that I do miss is just being around a club being around the changing rooms, being around football in general. If I miss anything, it's that really, more than playing. Brilliant. I've got Captain Snuggles here from YouTube. He says, uh, he says, thank you, obviously, for putting his question on. He says, uh, someone who suffered a couple of bad, injury, uh, bad knee injuries, was it, uh, and when I was younger too, um, how did you manage going forward in your career? Because he struggles to train. 
Yeah, so um, you know, a lot of people think that I, str- I struggled with my knees from the beginning, and it wasn't. So originally, um, when I got the injury, I broke my kneecap, and that's what brought all the headlines to my knee. But my knee was actually fine after my kneecap filled. I got arthritis, and it really affected my ankle and my feet. Yeah. That's where it really affected really, really badly. Um, so struggling with that, my actual ankle injury was, you know, it, when I was younger, we, we had, I remember if I'll give you a little story. We had, when Luca Viali was manager, yeah. so we had a, a, a fitness coach who was called Giovanni. And the way that they done it is that day after games, we used to come in and we'd do a warm down, which I understand. That, that, that is, that is, that's fair enough. But with my arthritis, the next day after a game, my, my limbs were still swollen. My feet were still swollen. And they used to make me do the warm down still. And I used to be struggling, limping around. And they thought I was yeah. just playing around. They thought I was pretending. Right? And a lot of boys would say, come on, Gifton, just do it right. Get through it. It's only now, so I've met some of the boys now we're older. I never got a real life rise. They say, Gifton, you had that at 19. I don't know how you've done yeah. it. Right? <laughs> so, so it was things like that where I struggled at. And, and towards the end, when I was probably my 20, 25, 26, I'll say, from 26 to 30, that was the hard four years. I didn't really train much. It was about playing, wrapping yourself up and getting through it. And then, because I had the ACL operation on my knee, because of the arthritis and the ACL operation, then the arthritis kind of affected my knee a little bit. But um, And then going through that was hard as well. This was swelling. You know, you play a match and you're swollen for two days. So you can't really move and you can't do nothing. You're just trying to, hoping that taking pills, taking massages, going swimming, doing everything you can do, just hoping that the swelling go down enough so you can play. But if it doesn't go down, have an injection, have a painkiller injection. That'll get you through the game. So for yeah, for the last four or five years, I was playing with injection. Last year at Stoke onwards, I was playing with injections and, and just trying to get through it because I knew my body was breaking down. And for me, it was all right. I love the game so much. How much more can I get out of the game before I have to call it a game? So um, that 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 was that was that was part of it. But it was it was a listen. I, I don't want it to sound like I'm feeling sorry for myself, or it was. Oh. A, I played 14 years, 15 years of professional football, you know, and a boy from North London who grew up with nothing. So I thank God for every moment, every game, every goal, every tackle, every everything, you know, because um, I had a career, you know. And if one of my kids and other people that I train can have a career that was like mine injury or no injuries I'm sure that a lot of them will feel that they, they've done all right so I thank God for it that's brilliant that's a great answer Dino do you know anything about um, did you ever get a rollicking off a manager gift them for doing something you weren't supposed to on the pitch or <laughs> um, on, on the pitch or off the pitch <laughs> either either whichever one you want to choose <laughs> you know, off, off the pitch there's been a few rollickings off the pitch for, for many reasons I'm not going to lie over the years um, we could talk about back in the days we had a lot of, it was a drinking culture back in the day so there was many times when I've been out on either a Saturday night or a, or a midweek and you, I've been out on either a Saturday night or a, or a midweek and you come in with your clothes on because you've just taken a taxi from wherever you slipped straight to training. <laughs> you, come with, you might you might get hammered that way or a time when back in the days, I would always wear my hat. I always used to wear my hat. And we managers didn't like it. They would all say it's, it's this and it's that. But I'll take you off around dinner when I was in buildings. But other than that, I'd always have a cap on with a suit or a cap on my taxi. So that was always something, a little battle always, get your hat off and little, little rollickings like that. But... Playing-wise, never really, to be honest with you. Um, Kenny Jackett taught me something from young. I think I was uh, under 15. 
no, under 16, under 16. And um, I was still in school, but I was playing for the youth team at the time. And what they used to do is someone would pick me up Friday night, bring me to my gigs, stay in Watford, so they knew I'll get there. So I was safe to get there. I was staying digs Friday night, and then Kenny would, or someone would pick me up on Saturday morning, take me to the youth team game. So right. Kenny picked me up one day, and I remember I had two games where I didn't score. So in my head, I'm under 16, so I'm going to get dropped because there's other guys that should be playing. So I remember we were just talking, and Kenny said to me, you're going to play today again, son. I said, oh. I said, oh, I thought I wouldn't play because I haven't scored. I haven't really scored. Gifton, you always play good for me. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you run, you fight, you're aggressive, you never give up. Any defender that plays against you, they always know that they're doing it for a real battle. So whether you score or not, I don't really care. And that just told me, that told me there and then that all I had to do in football is run, fight, and do all the basic stuff. And then hopefully, if I'm having a good day, my ability that, that God's given me will come out and I'll score a couple, go couple goals or something like that. If I'm having a bad day, at least it'll be a good step up and a good battle. So from then, all my career, all I've ever thought of is 60 minutes. Run hard for 60 minutes. All you've got for 60 minutes. And my theory is, if I'm having a stinker, after 60 minutes, the manager will take me off and he'll say, well done, son. You, you didn't play well today, but you give everything you got. If I'm playing good, at 60 minutes, I'll be buzzing. So at 60 minutes, I'll still be running around the pitch, still, still trying to do my stuff. The manager will keep me on. So for me, my target was always 60 minutes. Nothing less, nothing more. Can I get through 60 minutes? Yeah, brilliant. Right, Moobs, um, any more questions or do you want to get straight onto Moobs news? No, we can, we can fire out a couple more questions, man. I'm like, you know. Definitely, definitely mate, definitely, mate. While we, while we got him. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got a uh, best player, uh, right? Okay. Um, your, your influence is on and off the field. Um, it could be a person, it could, you know, it could be just just general, you know, what sort of influences uh, made you sort of say, shall we say, start start football and uh, anything yeah. like um, I know with Kevin Phillips, I mean, like he said, he had the same, unfortunately, the same sort of scenario as you, but slightly older when his dad suddenly passed away. And he was thinking about giving up football around the time when he um, came to Watford. But luckily, he got like people like yourself, you had Kenny Jacket putting his yeah. arm around you and looking after you. And he had Glenn Roder. Um, yeah. Was it not, not going into that sort of darker sort of way? But th did you have anyone um, that influenced you to basically either just to start playing? The biggest influence in my life is my was I say was because he passed away uh, yeah. of cancer a few years ago, but uh, yeah. of cancer a few years ago. But the biggest influence in my life was my cousin Michael. Okay. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and read the story just because I feel I have to because I'm talking about Michael, so I want to give him the, the respect that he deserves. Um, I was five years old or six years old, and I was playing for my my. Um, play centre school. You know, you, after school, you go a play centre club. So we used to go play centre and I played against another play centre. And I think we won, I don't know, 15, 15, 12. And I must have scored like 13 of the goals. You know? <laughs> and yeah, something ridiculous. Something stupid. Like that. Um, the person, the, the other coach on the other team was um, my aunt. I call her Auntie P. But she's not my auntie by blood, but she grew up with my auntie. So it was, it was, it was her son was on the other team. So he phoned my cousin, Michael, and he said, hey, have you seen your, your, your little cousin play? 
And he said, what do you mean? Like, Gifton don't play football. He said, yeah, Gifton is a good player. Like, And he told him the story about, and I only found this out as I got older, but he told him the story about how good I was and the goals I scored. And so then from there, Michael goes, oh, okay, cool. So when I was about six, seven, Michael would just always be with me. I would, he'd pick me up on a Sunday morning. I'd go and watch him play. I'd be in the changing rooms watching him um, in the men's football. He didn't make it as a pro, but he played men's football. And I'll be in the changing room watching them, you know, grease their skin. They know talking and everything. And it just—it was like a lesson. It was like a, a life lesson. He was teaching me from six, seven years old. Um, so I understood about it all. I understood about changing rooms. I was half time. He'd bring me in. So when the manager's shouting and they're swearing, I would understand it. Um, he would talk to me after the games about players, about what this player done, what this player. He'd always say that a player without a good first touch is no player at all. So from a young age. I was focused on my first touch always because it was like, if you ain't got first touch, no player at all. So my first touch was always there to be good. Growing up, continuing my life story, Michael used to take me to a, a school across the road from my house. And then they had a goal. And it had, it was, it was one to 10. So it was, it was sectioned off one to 10. And he would take me there and I had to, so it was, it was sectioned off one to 10. And he would take me there and I had to hit every, like from one, number one, then number two to 10, from my right foot, then my left foot. And we ain't going home. And that was at the end of training. So we don't we do a little session at the end of training. And we're not going home until I do it. I'm talking about me crying, angry, frustrated. <laughs> and he'll just say, Don't worry, I know you can't do it. So so you got you, you do it, innit? So we'll be there until we'll be there until I do it every day, every time we train. And he really grew me um as a man. You know, if you look at I think my dad dying at 13, it brought I wasn't really close with my dad. I was close enough as he was my dad. But I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't. I wasn't old enough to have that close bond. I think a man gets, gets a close bond with his dad as he becomes a man himself. So I never yeah. got that. With him, but I got that with Michael, and he was the man that really taught me how to be a dad, taught me how to carry myself the right way, um, even down to some silly things like my boots. He would say mm. to me, "I'm not getting in the car until I show you my boots," and he would say to me, "If I can't see my face in your boots, you're not getting in my car." Mm. So and I'd have to polish my boots. And then he'll, he'll buy me dubbing and he'll buy me other stuff, the brushes, the right brushes to use. And I had to clean my boots. He told me, as soon as you get home from a game, you clean your boots straight away. They're small things. It's just principles that has grown me as a man, as a, as a parent, as a, as a dad, you know. And, and he just little things like that, Michael grew me up, how I dressed. So we go to games and everyone would go to games in their normal clothes. I had to go to game in a suit. Why am I going to a game in a suit for? Well, that was just too much. But he proved that you're going to a game, act right. So when I go into the first team and had to wear a suit in the first team, it was normal. Because I've been doing that since I was, since I was 11 years old. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Michael, exactly. Michael for me, this is, there's many influences. Kenny Jackie, Graham Taylor, Tony Pulis, Carl Dixon, my mum. Do you know, I could go on a big list of people that influenced me along the journey. I don't think one person is can ever make that bigger mark on you to be the only person that's influencing your life. But if you talk about 60% of my, 70% of my influence is Michael, but, and the other 30% is what everyone else has taught me in the rest of my life. For the whole my life, and even now, I'm just trying to be like Michael. <laughs> that's all I want to be. I'm just trying to be like Michael. <laughs> that's all I want to be. I just want to, I just want to be like Michael. I want that if he's looking down from the sky at me, he's looking down saying, Gifton, well done. Like, I'm proud of you. And that's, that's all I've, all my life, even as a pro, 
I thought about my dad, but the one person that I wanted to be proud of me was Michael. When I played a match in the first team, youth team, got in the car, or everyone else is telling me, great, oh, give well done, gifted, you scored four goals today, well done, you're this, you're going to make it to the top. Michael would say, well, you scored four with your right foot, but you had three opportunities where you could have shot with your left foot and you didn't. Why? You could have you got in the box. All your goals today was because you're bigger and stronger than the defenders. So you dribbled past them. Not one time was you cute, or not one time was you clever. Not one time did you have good movement in the box to score a goal. So what did you really do today? You just used your size. And at the time I was like, I'll go in the car like <laughs> it was like a deflating feeling, but Mm. I would always leave there knowing he loved me because he'd always leave there with the benefits and say, yeah, you know, your goal, your score was good, you know. Hey, I mm. like the way you, got the ball, you dropped your shoulder. So he'd always bring me back up after he put me back down. But he always brought me to some form of reality that, yeah, you're this good, mate, but you're not as good as you're not here yet. So you got a long time to go. You know, when everyone else would be telling me, oh, Gifton, you're the best, oh, Gifton, yeah, you're the man. Michael weren't having that conversation. So I think that's why he's probably was the biggest influence um, in me. And I think if you spoke, spoke to, my, to my kids, you spoke to anyone who really knows me, they would, and he knows Michael especially, they would say that I'm just Michael, really. And I'm just trying to be him. And I'm just an imitation of him, really. That's, uh, that's just an absolutely amazing story. Rest in peace to um, Michael. He sounds like an amazing guy. So, no, no, thank you ever so much for sharing that. I know probably a bit hard for you to say that, but that was absolutely brilliant. So, thank you ever so much. Um, Moobs, I don't know how we can better that note, but um, it's uh, Moobs News. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure we can, but just before we go on to that, Mr Nigel Callahan has joined us and he says, uh, evening all, uh, evening all, give them you a top player. So, that is straight love from Kelly. Nigel. Love Kelly. Kelly used to come in and train with us back in the days when I was just coming through, 16, 17, and he used to still he still had it. He he couldn't he couldn't run around as much because he was too busy in you know, I think our beef he was um, living life up. But 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 ability wise he was quality and such a good guy as well. gave He gave me so much good advice as well at the time. So it was really really good. So Kelly, if you're listening, thanks for the advice you gave me back in the days, man. Because even though I might have, I might have kissed my teeth or or looked away, I was listening to everything you told me. <laughs> and just before he starts, as you can see, um, just uh, just over that way, we've got a quick cheeky plug for DJ Kelly at eight th uh, at eight thirty as well. So, um, moves all yours, mate. Oh, thank you very much, Pete. Thank you very much. Well, welcome back, everyone. It's a new season, almost a new season, because we're still waiting to get going. Getting a bit annoyed now. Getting a bit annoyed. Don't like it. <laughs> want to get back on the terraces. I want to be singing. Want to be chanting. But don't forget, guys. We know that we're not all going to be able to get into games for a while. But I'll tell you where you might be able to get in. And that's down in the non-league. And right now, grassroots football is going to need us more than ever. So if you want a football fix, put it like this. Emmeltown, Wildstone, Northwood, Kings Langley, Burko, Spring, everyone around there. St Albans City as well. I can't forget them. Otherwise, somebody will be emailing me later and I know who that's going to be. Um, <laughs> guys, honestly, it's looking very much like we are going to be able to go and watch non-league, providing these te these safe tests are carried out and they come back perfectly. Now, I've said it before, I'll say it again, but now really non-league is going to need us because some clubs have already uh, have already hit the wall and it's it's scary. 
And we don't want to see any more clubs go to the wall because it's not right. It's not fair because no football club should go out of business. So if you know that you, if you're a season ticket and you know you're in the ballot for a home game and you know you're not going to get in, have a look. Local papers, online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything, everything will tell you where non-league is going on because it pretty much states from about step three, which is just below Hemel, I think, at the minute, is going to be allowing fans into stadiums. So if you've got a ground near you, please, guys, get down there and cheer them on. It's a great, great afternoon. Now you get a football fix, you get a pint of beer, you can get something to eat and you can sit and watch a game without any trouble. I mean, what more could you ask for? Yeah. I'll give up. But yeah, but also, uh, Hemel have been signing players left, right and centre. I haven't got a list of them because I can't keep up at the minute. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we wish all the non-league teams well, especially Wildstone, um, as they go into uh, the National League this season. Uh as champions of the National League South. So uh, we wish them well. But uh, yeah, there's not, not much else in non-league happening at the minute. I know they're hoping to get going. The leagues are hoping to get going in, I think it's now October, um, because they've got, to, they've got cup games. They've got to get out of the way because there's so many preliminary rounds for each one. They've literally said it's, I think the whole of September is now going to um, be uh, FA Trophy, FA Cup, possibly FA bars as well for some teams. Um, that's how crazy non-league is. Um, and then hopefully, come the around the middle of October, they're going to start They're going to start playing games. And I think it's going to be Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, all the way through, near enough till the end of the season. So lots, lots will be going on. And uh, once it does get going, we will be bringing it to you. But now on to one of my favourite topics, which is, now I have to call them the women's team. I've got I've finally just about got used to saying this. Um so what Watford women played today, they had a pre-season friendly away out, up at Ipswich Town. Um won that three by three goals to nil. Fantastic performance from them. Unfortunately, behind closed doors, so no one could get up there to watch it, which I was uh, a bit disappointed about. But you know, at the minute we uh, we abide by the rules. But here's another one for you. If you're missing your Watford fix. When the season starts, come down to Kings Langley. That's right. You're hearing it first. Come down to Kings Langley because you are going to be able to get in and watch the women play. Now, I'm going to state this. So please listen carefully, everyone. We can get about 579 in there because that is due to the COVID restrictions of safe, of safe distancing or social distancing, whatever you want to call it. That is looking like the amount we can get there. So if you're stuck for something to do on a Sunday afternoon, Kings Langley is your port of call. Okay, three o'clock, three o'clock kickoffs in the league. Now the first, now we're hoping that we, you know, be great to get some more people down there to cheer the girls on this season because I can, you know, Helen Ward was on earlier, the captain of the women's team, a great, great striker as well. Um, you know, it, you know, there'd be. So delighted to see more people come down and see him play this season. It's going to be one epic season. Um, it's going to be end-to-end, and I can guarantee you there is going to be some frustration being unleashed after their season was null and void uh, last year. But, you know, it also be great to see people. And as far as I know, the prices will stay the same. £6 for adults, £3 for kids, £1.50, I think, for concessions. And if you're a season ticket, I'll just show it on the gate. You're going to get it for half price. Half price, people. 
Well, can't beat can't beat that. Definitely can't beat that. But also, uh, just with the women's team, their first game of the season will be away at Milton Keynes Dons. Now we all know Milton Keynes Dons are a football league club. So we are awaiting news to see if we can get away fans into that stadium, which because it's the women's game, we believe will happen. So stay tuned. As soon as I get told, I will put it out. That is, And that is gospel. I will put it out straight away, whether we can get fans in or not, because it will be, uh, <coughs> it will be great to see. Um, if, like, if you live around the MK area, come on down, cheer the girls on. Some new signings have come in recently as well for the girls. Some great signings as well. There's, uh, I will, uh, I will update them. I'll update on another time. But, uh, but yeah, it's some exciting times ahead this season, and it's going to be one epic ride. So, like I say, come get into the Vic, watch a bit of non-league. Missing your Watford fix? Come watch Watford, ladies. It is as simple as that. Can't put it any better, Pidge. No. Brilliant. I don't think you. I don't think you can, mate. Um, honestly, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but no. Well, uh, you outdo, outdo us every time. Moves with moves. News is absolutely brilliant, mate. <laughs> ever. Um, Gifton, thank you ever so much. Stay on. Uh, stay on just um, just after we go um, off air, mate. Just so we can say our thank yous once again, oh, mate. Cool. But honestly, the stories have been absolutely amazing. We didn't. Uh, we didn't expect some of the stories, and they were absolutely amazing. So. Uh, um, and thank you for answering all the questions of the of the fans as well. We, you know, we uh, it's one of those one of those legends that uh, we never thought we'd get, and we're very honoured and pleased that we got you. No problem. Can I just say that? Um, let people know I'm on this social media stuff now, and I've never really been on it before. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it recently, and I think you know what? Now I'm on it. Let me just let people know that I'm on these social media platforms if they would like to reach out to me. So my Instagram. Is Gifton Williams, and my prayer is Gifton Williams, and my prayer is Gifton Noel. All right. So if anyone would like to reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram, feel free. And um, just a, just a little point. You said two things very very quickly, very very quickly. One, I want to wish Sophie Harris all the best this season with the with Watford Women. Um, yeah. New goal this season with the with Watford Women. Um, yeah. New goalkeeper. Hope she does well this season. Um, um, a very good player. Um, very, very lovely lady. And I hope that she does well this season. And also, I just want to second what you said earlier about non-league clubs. Um, I think that we've got so much non-league great football around. I go to Kings Langley all the time. I go to Hemel. I go to Willstone. I go to, I, I go and watch more non-league football, I think, than professional football because I love it. I love, I love it, I love it. And though Kings Langley, you've got Jordan Parks down there, Doyle's down there, a couple other old heads, Chris Cummins is the manager. Oh, it's, it's exciting. One more big up and a really big shout out to my, my boy, one of the guys who I coach, he's like my son, Jacob Cook, who's got signed for Emil Hempstead. And watch out for him this season because he's going to be a very, very big player for, for Hemel Hempstead this season. So I hope that he does well. So that's that's my little time. Thank you very much, guys, for having me on the show. Really enjoyed my 
No, no, no. We will be posting up his Instagram as well on um, the forum. So get on there. And he's reaching out to you. So reach out to him. Get on get on the social media and give him a hand with the social media stuff because he's not not everyone's not everyone's an expert on it. And you know we've got we've got, we've got, to, we've got to spread the word. We've got to spread the word, mate. So uh, you're right. <laughs> but before we finish gifting, can you see anyone as coo- uh, as um, more chilled out than Dino on his bed? Have you ever seen <laughs> you know what? I've got to admit, right, about 20 minutes ago, I had a little look in the corner and I saw Dino just relaxing like this. About, and I thought, this guy is a cool guy, man. Like, <laughs> and I went to ask, I went to ask, do you do your show like this every week, just chilled out like this? He does. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I love, it. I love, it. I love that. We did, we did do one where um, we, put him on, we put him on last minute um, when we did a full-time report, and it was literally just his face with um, completely dark and just his face, and it looked like it looked like he seen a ghost as well. It was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> love it. Love it, Dino. Don't chase no one, mate. Love it. <laughs> Thank you ever so much, guys and girls. Um, that is uh, that is all from us. Thank you ever so much. Obviously, the gift and moves and Dino um, has been amazing as ever. Uh, the football, uh, the football fan show um, we're doing on TMA TV. We're doing that on Wednesday. That'll be eight till nine, and obviously Friday night. 